1: What would you do if your best friend admitted to you a horrifying secret? And then we travel to an oil refinery to take a look at a young man who's taking a break at work. But little does he know he's actually about to break through reality itself. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We got a ton of stuff to cover today. So first off, running into Dead Rabbit Radio command right now. Everyone get on your feet. Give it up for... Vaccine! Woohoo! Yeah! we. <laughs> yeah, come on in! Yeah! Vexine is running on into Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Vexine, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. Vexine posted their Spotify wrapped on Twitter, letting everyone know how much they love Dead Rabbit Radio, showing how much they listened to it last year. Really appreciate it. That is a way to support the show. You can join the Patreon. You can join YouTube memberships. You can buy merch. That all helps financially, but that's not all you can do. If you can't do that... Just spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Vaccine, let's go ahead and get this party started. I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Radio. command. Drive us all the way out to Texas. We're headed all the way out to Texas. Specifically, we're headed out to Brownsville, Texas. The year is 1989. Janet Jackson and the Rhythm Nation. Ah, ain't nobody doing it. Da, ba, da. The music's playing on the radio. We're listening to Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation. We are a part of a rhythm nation. There we go. That's enough to get that's enough to get this uh taken down off of YouTube. 1989, the Rhythm Nation has taken over the world. We're in Brownsville, Texas. We're about to meet this young boy. We don't have his real name. We're gonna call him Ken. He's in eighth grade. And when Ken was in eighth grade, he meets this dude who we will call Buck. That is actually the fake name Ken gave this when he posted this online. So we have Ken and Buck. And he goes, dude, when I met Buck, it was really cool because we had a lot of stuff in common. For one, we were really edgy teens. Even back in 1989, edginess was a thing teens did. It's not a new thing. They've always done it. We were both edgy teens, you know, early teens. We love skating. We love ripping up the concrete on our skateboards. Totally tubular, bro. And they were also musicians. They, you know, they just kind of like to plunk around on their guitars. Which, it, listen, it really is cool. That's one of the cool things about life is you're just kind of sliding through it. And then out of the blue, you bump into somebody just like you. And you can have these really cool friendships. But they're not exactly alike. Buck also liked to work out. He loved hitting the weights. To the point that Ken said he was addicted to it. He was addicted to weightlifting. And and it turned out good for Buck because he ended up being like the buffest kid anyone in town had ever seen. He was just like this swole, edgy, skateboarding teenager. But there was something else about Buck. He also was obsessed with religion. But not like a normal religion. (laughs) I mean, and I know that's a loaded term. I know people go, "What? what's a normal religion, Jason? Well there's religions and there's cults apparently in brownsville texas back in the late 80s there was a church this really small church yeah sure i'll go to this church with you buck you're a good buddy of mine and he goes i went once the kid said i went exactly one time because it was really really weird he goes i went exactly one time i went And when Buck went in, he just kneeled down in the corner and began praying uh, feverishly. Or fervorishly? I think they both kind of mean the same thing, but (laughs) one you have to go to the hospital for. He's just in the corner, just praying. Praying so much that, to Ken, it almost seemed like a punishment. It didn't seem like something you'd be doing to, like, uplift the Lord. It seemed more... Sinister. Not that the prayers themselves were sinister, but it, it just rubbed him the wrong way. Ken watching his buddy praying, it, it just rubbed him the wrong way. He goes, to me it felt like it was punishment. That was the only time he actually went to the actual church. But he said, once I met the pastor, him and his wife, because Buck was all about this. And at that time... And at that point, he is told that Buck has a wife. Well, not right now, obviously. That'd be ridiculous. A 13-year-old student, a middle school student, just about to go in high school, having a wife? That's ridiculous. No, he's not married yet, but his wife is picked out. We have a wife that's reserved for Buck. The minister says buck's wife will be my daughter my six-year-old daughter is reserved for buck and buck alone so i mean this is one of those things like when you're in a cult you don't realize how weird everything is sometimes you do sometimes you you just can tell it's not normal but to anyone outside of the cult it's super obvious and he's like what in the world like I mean, he knows Buck. Buck is not going to marry a six-year-old. He understands that. It means when Buck turns 18, well, <laughs> she'll only be 12. So it's bad anyway. around. If he was like 30 and she was 24, and that's when they are getting married. But it's like, you're just, you're, listen, man, this kid, all kid wants to do is skate, shred on the guitar, and have a good time. He doesn't want to think about child rides. It's not something that he ever thought he would have to process. But here he is. In Brownsville, Texas. Thinking, oh my God, my buddy has a child bride, not yet legally, but uh, but it, it, that's what it is. He said this all kind of ended him and um Buck really start stopped hanging out because they started getting in trouble. Every so often, you might get chased off of shopping mall property. Get out of here! Quit skateboarding! Ah, quit shredding! They're going down the. Staircase or whatever, but then it graduated to actual crime. Skateboarding is not a crime; we're all aware, based on the stickers seen everywhere. But shoplifting is shoplifting's theft. They were stealing from the local Kmart. Ken goes, listen, man. I came from a middle-class family. I didn't need to shoplift from Kmart just to show the difference between him and Buck. He goes, I didn't need to shoplift from Kmart. I mean, maybe if there was like a boombox. Something really expensive that I needed. But we were doing fine. Buck, on the other hand, his his mom, this is sad as I chuckle, his mom would say, hey, Buck, uh, we need some items from the local Kmart. They weren't going to buy them. She would give him a list of things to shoplift. He's like, oh, tampons again? Mom, come on. She's like, oh, come on. No, I need them. I need them. He's shoplifting. He's shoplifting tampons and cotton balls and all sorts of stuff. So that's what happens. They get busted for shoplifting, and at that point, Ken's parents said, "You can't hang out with Buck anymore. This guy's a bad influence." And Ken probably knew that after the, after the child bride thing. He's like, "I don't know if this. This is going to work out between me and him. Us being friends till the end." But yeah, he's like, "Okay, yeah." You know, Buck's my best friend, but he realizes that his parents are right. Even though he may not say it, I'm sure he said, No, Mom, Dad, Buck is the only guy I hang out with. But in the back of his head, he's like, this is probably a good call. It's probably a good call, bro. He's a member of a cult. About a year or two after they stopped hanging out, Buck ends up moving to Central Texas. Apparently to a town called Lovelady, Texas. To live with his pops. So Buck and Ken end up growing apart, but they really weren't hanging out much then at that point. Now, fast forward, they're both 17 years old. So let's say they were in eighth grade and that story, you're like, great, Jason's doing math. This is going to be a minute. I'm going to get up and uh, make a pot of coffee. Let's say that they're 13 in the eighth grade. This would probably put them around junior, senior year. I didn't really have to do math for that one, but... They're older. They're both 17 years old. Buck ends up moving back into town. Oh, dude, this is going to be totally dope, Ken says. I've been practicing my skateboarding. i practicing my shoplifting. I'm a master thief now. No one can stop me. This will be cool, man. I used to be really good friends with Buck. It'll be interesting to see how much we've grown. Because I've grown. I'm sure he's grown. It'll probably be pretty cool hanging hang out with my old buddy. Well, anyways, he moves back, and he's just huge buck is just ripped again ken's like dude this is like the biggest biceps on this dude i thought he was buff as an eighth grader now he's an adult right 17 legally not an adult but he has an adult body and he's just this massive dude with these huge biceps and he has this fallen angel tattoo whoa dude what tattoo whoa you didn't see a lot of tattoos On high school students back then. I mean, legally, probably shouldn't have one. He's just 17 years old. But you know what I mean? Like, nowadays, they're super common. Most of my friends were getting tattoos in college. When I was growing up, the only people who had tattoos were in the military or felons. It wasn't something that a girl had a tattoo of a butterfly on her ankle. You never saw anything like that. So the fact that he comes back and he's just like this huge guy he spent four years apart he has this cool tattoo. People are like, wow, oh, dude, it's Buck. He's back. He's back. And he's larger than life and larger than them physically in the real world. Ken can't wait to reconnect with Buck. Ken wants to know everything that Buck's been up to. And he's like, dude, this was like my best friend. And I feel like we could have been something. Bonnie and Clyde, or both of us, would be Clyde, obviously. But the point is, is that I missed them. And this is cool. We had so much fun together. Who knows what shenanigans we can get into as adults. But what happens is. Once Ken and Buck reconnect. They just don't click. Doesn't work out for them. That kind of makes. Ken. Feel a little sad. Right. But you know people change. He goes Buck definitely changed. There's something different about him. He doesn't say much.
0: He doesn't smile. Doesn't show a lot of emotion at all. One
1: weekend, a large group of friends are out having a barbecue. And, you know, Buck's back, it's time for a retro barbecue. They decide, I don't know if this was a normal thing. I think the supermarkets would be on the lookout if it was a regular thing, but. Ken goes, we're having this barbecue, and we shoplifted all of the meat. People are bringing over, like, pot rows. People are bringing over all of this ground beef. A lamb's head. All this stuff. Shoplifting from the local butcher. Eat some stolen meat. Night goes on, the crowd thins out, and eventually there's only four people sitting around the fire. Two dudes. And then Buck and Ken. And they've been hanging out and talking and eating and all this stuff for hours. But now everyone's gone except for these four and they're sitting around the fire. Just hanging out. One of the dudes, one of the other guys,
0: asks Buck. Hey man, what were you up to while you were gone? Super casual question, right? What were you up to? Not accusatory, just wondering.
1: He'd been gone for four years. What had he been up to all of a sudden? Ken compared it to a dam bursting. He goes, everything just came out of Buck. It was like he was holding all of this in. He didn't know who to tell or what to tell and what to leave out or or what. It's just like... But once someone casually asked, hey, what have you been up to? And the moment was right. The audience was right. Buck just let it all out. He said, when I moved to Love Lady, I met some really bad people out there. Bad people. We were doing like occult stuff. We were in some dark, dark stuff. I'm getting deep, getting deep into this. You know, I'm always into religion and and belief systems and stuff like that and I get into this occult and I I just like go right into it.
0: Ten toes. One night, I'm out walking through this field with this dude. And then I I hear something in my head. Like a voice. I hear a voice in my head and it Starts just saying kill him kill him kill him kill him kill him over and over again I'm walking through this field with
1: this dude I'm hearing that voice he goes the next thing I know I didn't even think about it I was stabbing this guy I was stabbing him I, I stabbing him over
0: And over and over and over again, I just kept stabbing him, and I just left him there. Just left him there and took off. Ran away. At this point, Buck's openly sobbing.
1: None of the people sitting around the campfire know what to do. Like, one, we wouldn't know what to do, right? (laughs) Man, I'm going to be honest, your very first instinct would be, is this guy going to kill me? Like, oh my God, at the very least, he's just confessed the murder to three people. And is he now going to be like, and now I I can't let you guys leave. Because you guys know my secret. That's at least. The the worst case scenario is he's just going to go nuts again. And just start killing you right now. I mean, you're both battlers and you get killed in both
0: scenarios. Your first instinct would be, am I safe? But then also you're like, you're there with your friend. And he's just sobbing. He's sobbing at
1: this point. And they just don't know how to react. We would have a hard time dealing with that. Definitely teenagers would have a hard time dealing with that. Nobody expected that. Just like Ken did not expect to have to deal with the, the thought process of having a child bride. They never thought they'd be sitting here hearing one of their friends confess to a murder. And not just a murder, an occult murder. This voice cackling in your head. Kill him,
0: kill him, kill him. It just adds all the creepiness to it. Now, to make matters even worse for Ken, (laughs) Buck is Ken's ride home. So you're getting in a car with someone who you used to be best friends with, who you knew something there was different about him. You
1: knew something had changed. This totally makes sense why he's so different, why he's not emotional, why he's not talking as much, because he's dealing with the fact that he murdered a man. That's your ride home. (sighs) It's a tough situation. Ken gets in the car, and as they're driving home, it is on Ken's mind. He does ask, you're not going to murder me, are you? And Buck said, no, man. Nah. (laughs) Reassuring, right? (laughs) Reassuring... But after this, Ken said, listen, I was completely scared by him. The other two dudes at the fire were completely scared about the whole story. We very quickly grew apart. I didn't need my parents to tell me this is a bad situation. I stopped hanging out with them. And what I had seen happen after that is Buck's life just continuously
0: crumble. Things always seem to be falling apart. This was posted online by someone going
1: by the name Java Monster. Or Java Monsta. He posted it online and he... Here's the thing, like, it, it had been thinking about it for years. He posted this last year and this all started in 1989. He, he's just trying to figure out, is this story true? This story was told to me. And I've looked at missing person cases... Or murder cases, cold cases where no one's ever been caught. And I just don't know if Buck's story is true. That's why Ken posted this. He goes, I don't know if this is true. And so people did start to look into it. They started looking for someone who... The the city that he moved to was Love Lady, Love Lady, Texas. People really started looking into it. They started looking for people 16 and older who had been killed. In the town of Lovelady or nearby. They also were looking for people who had been stabbed to death. Between the years of 1990 and 1992. <laughs> you think you had a boring weekend. Imagine having to go through that. Go through all those old newspapers. I guess I shouldn't say boring. I do like researching old stuff. But you're like, oh, nope. Just a bludgeon. Just a bludgeon. Oh, and it was only a 15-year-old. Strike out. Keep looking for this. So you're looking for such a specific type of murder. What they found this is the only thing they could find, which doesn't really match Buck's story exactly. In uh, 1990, in Love Lady, there's an unsolved homicide, or near Love Lady, there's an unsolved homicide: a 20-year-old black woman stabbed to death. But that it really doesn't fit his story, where he's saying it was a guy. That's really the only part that it doesn't fit. A guy versus a woman. Now, here's the thing. it. Imagine, this is just a weird quirk of the human brain. It shouldn't make a difference, but imagine if your friend says, dude, I killed a man last night. and Or says, I killed a woman last night. They're both horrifying. But you may not be willing to say, I killed a woman. Right? Because it is a weird... They're both horrifying. They're both absolutely horrible. He may have changed it he may have changed it so it didn't sound as bad but you know people also said it's possible that the guy didn't die it's possible that he he did get stabbed multiple times and then left it's both very very easy and very very difficult to kill a human people get killed all the time on accident and then people who are Attacked Murderers are trying to kill them. They walk away. I mean, they're cut up or shot up, but they survive. It's a very, again, a weird quirk of humanity. We're both very, very simple and very, very hard to kill. It's possible that he got stabbed a bunch of times and didn't die and left. the The most tragic answer would be that... He got stabbed a bunch of times, died, and somebody else got arrested for it. And that's why it's not showing up in any unsolved stabbings. Because that's what you're looking for. You're looking for an unsolved murder in or near Love Lady, Texas between 1990 and 1992. If it's solved, you're just going to sip your coffee and move on to the next article because you know who that is. That would be the worst because that means someone went to prison for a crime they did not commit. It's an interesting story. It's one of those stories that doesn't have a perfect bow on it. We weren't able to find out who was killed and what had happened or anything like that. It truly is a true crime mystery, and it all starts with the story of Buck. It's possible you could argue that he made it up to seem tough, and I would probably agree with that from any other narrator, but the way that Ken says it. He goes, I knew something was off about him when he came back. I could tell something was different. And when he explained that it happened, Ken was like, oh, well, that would change a man. That totally makes sense. It's not like he was walking around pretending he was the biggest, baddest dude in the town of Brownsville, Texas, that no one could take him on. It was... He came back because he had to come back, and he didn't want to really interact with anybody. And he just was very flat and unemotional. So it's not like he came back and was bragging, oh, yeah, and I killed someone. It was different than that. It, he probably did do it. And it makes sense from Ken's point of view and the way he told the story. It's creepy. You think about these unsolved murders. Whenever I come across an unsolved murder, I'm always thinking that person is still out there. When I read the story, I go, that would be super... I don't know what I would do in that situation. And honestly, I don't know what I would do shortly afterwards. I wasn't there for the crime. I don't think I would go to the police. If someone said, Hey, I murdered someone back, you know, three or four years ago in this town. I'm not the type of guy who would be like, well, you need to go to the police. That's just not my, if it was happening in my town, if he was murdering the dude while I'm there, or you know, there I'm picking a very specific set of situation. A very specific set of circumstances. If it happened years ago and someone tells me that, like, what do you do? What can you do? You have to deal with that. We don't have to deal with that. But unfortunately, Ken did. Or did he? Did Buck make the whole story up? Crazy. Crazy stuff. Vexing. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Brownsville, Texas. Fly us all the way out to an oil refinery. (ELLER) This is a story we don't have a specific location for. So, it's listed as being in the southern United States. As the story progresses, we have some options to choose from. But right now, we're somewhere in the southern United States. We're at an oil refinery slash chemical plant. Because it just wasn't enough. Just wasn't enough to spill oil all over the place. They're like, "Hey, let's throw some caustic acid in the sand as well. Let's really get. Let's really get our money's worth out of this super fund site." This happened back in November 2023. A very, very recent story. We're about to meet a guy. We'll call Rusty. It's not his real name, but it'd be hilarious if it was Rusty working at an oil refinery. Rusty worked the late shift. And like anyone who works the late shift at any job, it's time for a nap. It's time for a nap. You're going to nap a lot on the night shift. And he knows just the place to take a nap at this oil refinery. He jumps in the company truck, starts driving off to this secluded part of a plant. <laughs> I was thinking, why would you take the truck? that would be obvious. They're like, hey, Rusty, where are you going? He's all, to nap. They're like, what? But I was like, it would be you drive the truck, you would draw more attention. But if you just walked off randomly, maybe people don't notice you. But then they find you like laying on the ground. You're laying in a soft puddle of oil. I mean, it, at least in the truck, it's more noticeable. But there's a place to sleep, the truck. Otherwise, you're just like cuddled up in the dirt. He drives off to this secluded part of the plant to take a nap. He said, this part of the refinery, 10 years ago,
0: on this very day, there was a massive explosion. (laughs) Right, right. That's where you want
1: to take a nap. You're like, oh, relaxing. Oh, yes. He said, 10 years ago, there was an emergency power outage that shut down the plant. And a woman who was working at the plant went to the burners to restore power to the plant so she went in like i'm assuming that's like some sort of oven thing like you have a dial like they're like all the burners went out because they shut off the power and she's like taking a match she's walking around the oil factory with the match she's like hmm, that gas burner should be here somewhere she has to reignite the burners and that caused an explosion the explosion was so violent she died obviously and this part of the plant hadn't really been open since. I mean, it, it's open to nappers, but it's not open for work. They really haven't used this part of the plant since. Well, Rusty's sitting in his truck. kicking back. getting ready to catch some Z's. It starts to rain. It's raining, and then it starts to pour. It's raining hard. Drippity drop, drop, drippity drop, drop, drippity drop, drop, drippity drop, drop. It's rain. You're like, Jason, I don't know what rain sounds like, you moron. You don't have to make a sound effect. (laughs) Plus, your hard rain was just louder. It was just you saying drippity drop louder. Drippity drop, indeed. This rain is pouring down, and it's accompanied by
0: a lightning storm.
1: Rusty has the glory of nature in the skies above. Beneath him, the blood of the earth. The decayed remains of all that have lived and died before us. A wondrous sight. The might of man pulling these chemicals out of the world while the wrath of God pours down on all of us. Rusty's watching a movie. <laughs> Rusty's sitting in his car. He's like, do 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 He's watching a movie. He's watching a movie on his phone while this miracle of all that exists is playing out. He's watching a movie on his phone. And he's fading in and out of sleep. Really, really tired. He did come here for a nap. He's like, well, since I'm here for a nap, I might as well watch all of Squid Game. Let's see, find some binge-worthy television. They won't notice me, uh, not at my post. He's fading in and out of sleep. He estimates this happened around 2 in the morning. He's fading in and out of sleep, and then suddenly... The entire truck is enveloped in this orange glow. It's so bright, it actually hurts Rusty's eyes. Like, he has to shield his eyes from the brightness. The entire truck is surrounded by this orange glow, and as he's looking at it between his fingers... He's trying to shield his eyes, but also trying to figure out what's going on. He realizes he's in the middle of an explosion. He realizes that, but he also realizes there's no sound. And there's no heat. The orange glow outside of Rusty's truck begins to die down.
0: And that's when he sees a woman. Stumble by completely engulfed in flames. The way she's moving, Rusty said it wasn't slow motion, but it was slow. It wasn't pure slow motion in the way you would think
1: of something playing out on television, slow motion. But she was moving slower than... She's she's probably moving slower than you would expect someone who's on fire, for one. But he goes, it wasn't that. He goes, it was the way she was moving, even the flames that are flickering off of her body. It's not slow motion, but it's slower than normal. Something was off. Outside of the idea you're watching a woman getting burned alive right outside of your truck. Something was off, and she's just flailing and stumbling around, engulfed in flames. And there are these pipes that are, because this is a work site, there are these pipes that are laid out, they're above-ground pipes, and as she's stumbling around, she moves towards those pipes and then walks right through them. Phases through them as if they didn't even exist. She continued stumbling frantically, every inch of her body being consumed by flames, and then
0: she just crumpled onto the ground. After that moment, everything returned to normal. The rain continued to patter on the metal hood of the work truck.
1: Rusty sat there in a daze, realizing that nothing had blown up. No woman was on fire. He was exactly where he
0: was, middle of the night taking a nap. Rusty realized that this must have been some sort of vision. The woman was gone. The orange glow was gone. He's sitting in his truck trying to think about what in the world just happened. His theory is that he saw into the past.
1: He's sitting there in his truck and he saw an event that had happened in the past. Post-cognition. The ability to see into the past. Which everyone always jokes about because they go obviously any book will give you post-cognition. But it's more than that. It would be this experience like Rusty had, where you're actually able to see the past in such a way. He goes, that's what I think it was. What he figures is that the pipes that she walked through, he goes, those probably weren't there when the original accident happened. Those pipes may have been placed there later, because even though this part of the Facility wasn't really being used at this point. They probably just did dump stuff off over here. They needed to keep it on site, but it wasn't in active production. Who knows? He goes, I think that those pipes will probably place there after the explosion. That's why she walked through them, because he was watching a recording of the past and those pipes were a new addition.
0: It's an interesting story. He actually said that is the
1: first time that he saw that. He goes, there was a second time, and that happened in November 2023. He said in December 9th of 2023, he was in a different part of a plant, and he saw some workers walk by wearing old uniforms. Because I saw these workers walk by, and not only were they wearing uniforms that we don't wear anymore. The design of the current uniforms was developed in 2015, but the company that owns this place had been around since the 60s. He goes they are wearing not current work uniforms, and this is another really odd detail, if if this story is true, we just have his, I have a couple theories, but we really just have his thing to base it on. He said their uniforms are old, but they were working on this piece of equipment that looked new. But when you look at that piece of equipment nowadays, it's old. It's beat up. It's a little rusty. You can see why he didn't want to give an exact location. I'm sure OSHA would have loved to come out here and take a look at their uh, stellar. They're like, what rusty oil pipes? You've got to figure out who this guy is, what company he works for. He goes, they're working on a piece of equipment that in the vision looked very new. But in real life looks old. So that's a super interesting detail because in the, let's say the they're from the 1970s. Their uniforms from the 1970s. In the 1970s, that was a new piece of equipment. So, in that vision, he's seen it brand new or you know, just a year, a couple of years old. It's still nice and well maintained, but in modern times, it's obviously a little dilapidated, paints chipped, stuff like that. Old uniforms, new equipment. In Rusty's world, they have new uniforms and old equipment. A weird detail. He says that it's happened twice. There's a couple different scenarios. This is one, and I'll go through them real quick because we're running out of time. One, I very, very, very quickly always rule out the carbon monoxide theory. This guy may be getting exposed to some sort of chemicals. Not saying that you're crazy. He posted this online underneath the name Leaky Rivet. So again, OSHA, maybe you do want to find out. What company this is? It's just like, I named it after my favorite part of the factory, the leaky rivets that are spraying chemicals everywhere. If someone moves in a haunted house and they start seeing a ghost, I will go, oh, there might be a ghost in your house. There might be something worse. It could be something plausible. Who knows? If someone moved to live above a chemical plant, right? If someone moved to Carbon Monoxide USA, someone moved to, what is it, Centralia, Pennsylvania, where just smoke is pouring up through the ground, that would be my first guess. I think you might be getting chemical exposure. They're like, what? No, I've worked at the mercury factory for 50 years. I'm, uh, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, there are some things that you might be able to attribute to that. That could be the case. He could totally be making it up. We never know what these type of stories or most of these stories, honestly, or most of real stories you see in the news. Any of it could be made up. It could be that this guy's having some sort of chemical exposure. It could be, and I think that there is... A snobbiness in the paranormal community where there are people who are supposed to be able to do this type of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, there are people who, like, I have studied these ancient texts, I have studied the great philosophers and the great occultists, I know everything about the paranormal. And then this yokel is watching watching Ocean's 12 on an iPhone. And he's able to see into the past. He's able to experience a previous event. And I think that's very, very likely. That you would have people who aren't interested in this stuff at all. They would have the same chance of manifesting these type of abilities. I think as someone who did spend 20, 30 years... Steady in the paranormal, really digging into these occultic texts. Because we don't know where this type of ability comes from. We don't know if it's genetic. We don't know if it's ancestral. We would like to think that it can be trained, but we don't know. So I think there's a little bit of snobbiness there. I will say this. I do want to... So so that's kind of interesting when you have kind of a lame because this would be an awesome ability. I, let's be clear, it is not as cool as precognition, which allows you to change events and see into the future, but if I had to choose between no cognition, I'm just a vegetable, I'm just a dude laying in a bed. If I have to choose between just regular senses or the ability to see into the past, you know, it's not it's not terrible. It's still pretty cool. I did this is one of those stories. This is what I like to do. This guy told this story. I tried to figure out if I could find out exactly what plant this was. I've narrowed it down uh two two possibilities. um, he said it happened on the exact same day and that a woman died. Um, but what we have is in, um, Houstonia, Missouri, November 29th, 2013. So that would be to the month, 10 years ago, an explosion and a fire at a natural gas compressor station happened. Um, the other guest is in Texas, September. So dates off September. I had to go through a list of every oil refinery fire to bring you this information. So. I'm trying my best here in uh, Texas, East Midland, Texas, September seventeenth, twenty thirteen. Tank batteries caught fire during a lightning storm. I thought that was an interesting connection. Now neither of those I that I saw killed a, a single woman. Neither of those accidents I did pop up and say, and then like or or match the exact events where a burner was off and then a woman blew up or something like that what i think is possible is either rusty was not giving us well for the missouri one i don't i don't have i don't see how many people died in that one i'm going off of this list of oil refinery explosions and i'm looking for ones in the south specifically in the year 2013 but it's possible that he didn't have the exact information he was just hearing it from people oh yeah you know that happened on this such and such day this thing exploded and it could um be that that he doesn't have the information right that it did happen in midland county texas and it happened in september instead of november it could also be that it was (laughs) wasn't wanting to find out exactly where it took place not because he's trying to hide information, but because he is like, oh man, and all of our stuff is so rusty. It's so rusty, you have to look into the past. You have to use paranormal powers to see when it was actually working equipment. It could be that. He could have he could have fibbed a couple details. So you so oh gosh, some guy on the internet wanted to spend a day looking through Wikipedia at oil refinery fires. Yeah, the one that took place in Texas, no casualties listed. In the news article, the one in Missouri, I don't know. So, I mean, it's just, here's the thing. And and this, we'll, we'll wrap it up link this because I can go on and on. Interesting question. If you have someone telling, like, you can use the story with Buck. I didn't actually plan this, but Buck's story and Rusty's story. If someone is telling you a story, and we'll just use one of these for an example. They say, I work at this oil refinery on the exact day 10 years later. I was sleeping in my car, uh, fire, I woke up, I was in a fireball, saw a woman running around, she was on flames. But it was just a vision. I saw into the past, I saw the accident. And then you found out that he purposely changed the date. And I guess it depends, if he did it to be spooky, if he goes on 10 years on this very, very night, and you found out that he changed some details, not key details, but he did change the date it took place, And what sparked the fire. And when you ask him about it. He goes. Well I didn't want you to know exactly where I worked. Because I was revealing some stuff about my workplace. Or in Buck's case. He didn't want to admit that he had stabbed a woman to death. He changed the story to a man. Because that would be less upsetting to people.
0: Would that make you
1: disbelieve the entire story? It's just an interesting question. Think about, I think, would you trust the story less if people lied about the little details, especially like online, right, where they're just kind of posting something online? I don't know if someone lied to my face, I think it's different. I think there's a lot of caveats to this whole thing, but I just think it's kind of an interesting thing. It's not as interesting though as being able to see into the past. Is that what he did? Is this an ability? If it only happened the one time, I would think it was a haunting. That was really my first thing when I was reading the story originally. I go, oh, it's weird. It's the kind of, usually a ghost comes to our environment, right? The You live in a house. It was built in the 50s. Grandpa died doing what he loved most, sitting around watching television. Now it's 2023. Someone else is living in the house. That's grandpa's ghost in your house. you walking around pulling your hair, hiding in your bathroom cabinet. So when you open it up, he... Breathes on your face, you get the rancid smell of death. You're like, oh, I guess I better brush my teeth. You keep thinking it's you. Nope, it's Grandpa Ghost. Usually the ghost comes to our reality. Comes into our world, our time. Even though he died years if not decades before. This is different. He's, in a way, being transported back into the ghost world. It'd be one thing to just see three ghost workers walking by. But to see them working on a piece of equipment that's new when you know, in fact, that's an old piece of equipment, it's something so different than just a regular haunting. This is one of those stories that I, I hope is true because it is. And I try to cover stuff that I think is true. There's stuff that I know is true and there's stuff that I think is true. And this falls into that think is true category. I'd be bummed if it was all made up because I think it's such a unique take on ghosts and really we don't talk a lot about post cognition it's not something that's really in the paranormal lore because a lot of people think it's kind of lame a lot of people laugh and they go well I can do that well it's different right sure you can read a book about Napoleon but can you see him walk in almost slow motion down the street that's what this guy can do that's why I try to go and try to find out where other fires have taken place and now I'm probably on the EPA's watch list they're like what is that guy doing why is he looking at oil disasters? I would put him on the list. So Interesting story. Interesting ability. I'd love to find more post-cognition stories and see if we get that same connection. Not just seeing in the past, but the way everything moves is that different as well. We've done time slips. This is a bit different than that. It's more personal. Time slips are you're in the right location at the right time. This is him. It seems to be connected to him. Or, let's be frank, could be the fumes, right, definitely be this guy tripping on some oil fumes, and in that case e p a don't look at me you need to find out where this plant is if if just fumes are coming out of the ground, causing people to see into the past, isn't that what they did in Greece? Isn't that what isn't that what the uh, I remember that movie three hundred that documentary about Greece um oracles remember they'd be all dancing <laughs> tripping. I didn't actually have, there was no techno music in Greece, I don't know. Agree to disagree. That oracle dancing with all those fumes around there. Radio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash Radio. TikTok is at Radio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys.